A stu stu Studio D production. And I wish every single one of them diarrhea until they die. I don't wish I, death on anybody. No, not death. I said diarrhea. But until you said they until they die. Yeah, well, eventually they like, will die. For the rest of their so life. So for the rest of their diarrhea. life, they're just going to constantly have diarrhea. I heard it as such severe like diarrhea. <laughs> no. Just a, a, a mild inconvenience of diarrhea. But that's why. Sit that's down. Why. I want to tell you a story. A really weird and messed up story. With murdering ghosts and gobbly ghouls. It's all really fucked up, so don't you be fooled. It's left up family diarrhea. story time. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Effed Up Family Story Time. I'm Salem. And who am I going to introduce first? Here today we have Jess. And Belle. Yeah. Thank Belle you guys. and I are always in sync, I feel like. And that's weird because she's so like all over the place. And I'm just I'm really good at Mostly calm. Maybe I can just decipher what you're doing because I'm just Maybe. just calm enough. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> all right. Well, how's everyone doing? Oh, I still feel very good. So maybe we should just jump into the story. That might get us excited. I don't know. Do we want it? Might make me feel worse. Uh oh. Did you type it up? I could just read it in my best bell voice. I typed up the first half, and then I'll guess it when we get back from the break. My best bell voice. All right, everybody. That is not Belle's voice. <laughs> Every time I do anybody's voice, it's like they're a high-pitched eighth grader. That's funny. Hi, Belle. Kyle will do. I'm always joking with Kyle. I'm like, Kyle, why do you hate women? Because I'll always like make fun of them and be like, oh my God. And he does it to me. It makes me so mad. But there's this podcast that I listen to and she will like, whenever she talks about her husband, she'll do it in this like, oh, well, I just don't. And I'm going to start doing that to Kyle. Whenever he says shit that annoys me, I'm going to be like, <laughs> um, that's great. <laughs> All right, Belle. Well, why don't you get us into the story? All right. Yeah. Well, um, the story that I'm telling today is about the Turpin family. All right. And it might sound familiar. It happened fairly recently. Well, our, our, and, I thought Turpins were in Thing and Wine. Uh, I know I Tannins that, are, but I thought I know turpins. that Turpines are in Marijuana. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Terpenes, I don't know. Wine, marijuana, start yeah. with the same letter, just flipped. Turpines are what gives you the kinds of feelings from like the different strains oh, like it's like you have like limelene and methrenaline and i don't fucking know you got a whole bunch they all do different things like right. one helps stomach aches and one makes and you body. euphoric yeah. and yeah um but this is turpin okay maybe that's where i was getting <laughs> i don't know about that stuff the turpin family i don't read anything about that's that fine. stuff so david and louise turpin met in princeton west virginia at princeton high school by all accounts, David was nerdy, shy, and he had a stutter. Louise was active in the school choir and the Bible club. Um, in 1985, the two of them married. David was 23, and Louise was 16. Wow. There was a six-year age gap between what, the two of and them. And it was what year? 1985. Still gross, but gross. more common in rural areas. Doesn't matter, areas. fucking gross. I know, but more <laughs> common in rural areas back then she than She probably currently. still had to get permission her parents, from her parents. Yeah, yeah. Her parents, but a lot more parents gave permission. Like, I mean, think about it. You know, we'd be like, I'm no, Evie, you can't get married at 16. I'm not, you know, 
But in rural communities. Well, and legally, it is legal still in some states to marry a child over the age of 12 with parental consent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in, I can't remember which state it is, it's one of the ones that's passing all of these fucking laws against LGBTQ, but they're also, they put it up to change that law and they voted it down. So it's still legal. I just want to clarify, too, though, just because it was more common and happened doesn't mean I think it's good. Doesn't oh, mean no. it's not. No. But I'm just saying it's gross. funny that it's still legal I'm, in some states. Well, yeah, I'm just saying I'm less surprised about that happening in 1985 than I would be no, about it happening. And that's, yeah. that's fair. And I totally get that it was like common and nobody in the documentary or anything that I read or whatever mentioned that it was fucking gross. But I wrote down my notes and I was like, fucking gross. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I saw it. There it was. <laughs> gross. Yeah, right before it says, she was only 16 when she married him, question mark, exclamation point. He was 22, because it just said that there was a sickest year. But yeah. I found, said something that said that he was 23 well, when they married. You can, also, you can also do, oh, it found it. Okay, yeah, I was yeah. just saying, you can also do math. <laughs> when like, you I said 22, <laughs> I was like, wait. She's like, I did do the math. So in... 1988, their first daughter, Jennifer Turpin, is born. David was 26. Louise was 20. And then in 1990, they moved to Fort Worth, Texas. And they had stated to friends and neighbors that God has called upon us to have as many children as we can. They grew up in some sort of sect of Christianity, and I can't remember which one it was because I don't care. And that's okay. Have as many kids as you want to have. Like, as long as... Yeah, I mean, we'll get to it. I mean, as long as you can support them. There's a reason. There's a reason they're on the podcast. (laughs) And it's not fun. I'm trying to, I'm trying not to be sad. (laughs) She's like doing the Lester's Possum Park voice there. (laughs) There's a reason. So Jennifer had said, Jennifer had said that one of her first memories, like the first memory that she can remember being super redundant. (laughs) Her first memory was? She was two. And she remembers her father screaming at her mother to shut up and punch like a hole through the wall. And that oh. was her first memory. <gasps> Snap. Yeah. So they're it, yeah. off to a great start. Jennifer recalls that Louise, the mother, would fall into unpredictable mood swings, um, would be really abusive and cruel one moment, and then act like nothing was happening or had even happened the next. Love that. Gaslighting and, bullshit. Yeah. And she had no idea what to expect at any moment, you know. Could be bipolar and not gaslighting, but... Well, but I mean, the act of, like, being all shitty at one point and then turning around and acting like yeah. nothing happened, mm-hmm. that's gaslighting, whatever the reason for doing right, it. Right, yeah. right, I've been gaslit enough times, I know. <laughs> I've done it enough. Well, I've done it, too. <laughs> my favorite people to do it with were my nieces when they were little. <laughs> Unfortunately, my daughter knew what gaslighting was when she was, like, eight, and since then <laughs> has been saying... Stop trying to gaslight me, mom. Stop trying to <laughs> gaslight me, mom. All right. All right. The gaslighting turpins. Yeah, they're not great. So the house pretty much fell to shit. The The house that they were living in Fort Worth. The white walls became a dingy gray. The carpet was full of human filth Ugh. and like feces. Black mold was growing in the shower. Every surface was covered with human trash. It really just seemed like a big hoarder situation, and none of the houses that they had ever lived in were 
at any point like habitable and where was this house this house was in fort worth in fort worth okay and they moved there in 90 they moved there in 90 and did Um, they just have jennifer at that point i don't know the exact dates so they would end up between 1988 and 2015 to have 13 children holy moly 10 boys and or 10 boys 10 girls and three boys did they have a reality show on tlc no So Jennifer ends up going to elementary school. She recalls having trouble making friends. Um, She was rarely bathed. Her clothes were always filthy. And she, in an interview that I watched, had mentioned that, like, the stench of the house would, like, cling to her and was, like, impossible to get rid of. So even if she were to be wearing clean clothes, like, she would leave the house and just smell. She was teased until the third grade. And in the third grade, David and Louise pulled Jennifer out of school and no other Turpin kid would go to any sort of like formal school. So in 1999, the family moves to Rio Vista, which was a rural town in Texas. Um, The children were not allowed to go outside. David and Louise required the children to call them mother and father. And the abuse was escalating quickly. Um, The children were beaten with belts and sticks. They were stuffed in dog kennels or homemade cages when they misbehaved. Um, David and Louise consistently justified their actions with the Bible, and the children lived in terror of being beaten to death because they would say that, like, the Bible gives us our, the right or whatever to end your life if we wanted to. They were Jesus. essentially threatening them with that. In 2006, David and Louise moved all of their children that they had at that point into a trailer behind their rural home, and they left the children to vent for themselves. They would drop off weekly groceries, but it was never enough for all of the children. Jordan Turpin, who's another daughter of David and Louise, was six at the time, and she recalls having to eat ketchup, mustard, and ice just to keep from starving to death. Oh, that's so sad. Um, Jennifer, the oldest, was made to discipline the children while her parents were away and was forced to put them in cages and to beat them however her parents saw fit. I'm not sure what David and Louise were doing while this was happening, but there were reports of them living in motels, and they had posted photos during this time of them like out partying and you know just doing whatever. I did see a report saying that they took the two youngest children with them, but I only saw it in one place, so I don't know how accurate that is. But most of their children were just in this trailer, not allowed to go outside, not allowed to talk to anybody, starving to death. Locked in cages. Yeah. No, their story's fucking disgusting. In 2010, the Turpins moved to Paris, California, where they would live until 2018. It was um, really just kind of like standard California suburban Neighborhood, you know, houses all up next to each other, whatever. Oh, I didn't mention this before. So David, first, he graduated from Virginia Tech after getting married and stuff, and then started working at Lockheed Martin. And then after he moved to Paris, California, he started working at Northrop Grumman. So he was like a software engineer, I think, made tons of money working for those companies, right? He like had a new Mercedes and... Uh, had like a vanity plate on it. It was DL forever. And I saw two conflicting reports that it was David and Louise forever. But the couple also loved Disneyland. And so they were like, could be Disneyland forever. I don't know. That's funny. Um, they There were photos because the children were allowed to go out periodically. And so there were photos of them. Like occasionally they would get everybody together and go on like an outing or whatever take a bunch of pictures as if to prove like, oh, we have one big happy family. There's like photos of them at Disney World. And I saw this video 
where they had like a vow renewal in Las Vegas and all of the kids were there and like dressed up. And it's like the only time that the kids were like allowed to bathe. They weren't allowed to talk to any strangers while they were out. They would rehearse like the things that they were allowed to say, like, oh, if they ask you what grade you're in, you have to tell them this. If they ask you this or say this to you, you have to respond with this. They were racking up thousands of dollars in credit card debt because Louise would impulsively buy children's toys, clothing, and games, but they were her toys. The kids were not allowed to touch them. The kids were wearing these filthy clothes that they hadn't been, you know, had been wearing for months at a time. And brand new clothes were hanging in the closet with tags still on them. Completely unopened board games and toys that the kids were not allowed to touch. Just like all over the house. David filed for bankruptcy, leaving the children to eat bread and peanut butter. Very rarely they were allowed to eat fast food or frozen food. But 90% of the time they were eating bread and peanut butter how did he blow through all that money if he was making such good money? They, huh. would, they would just spend it. Thousands huh. of dollars on yeah. just like Jeez. bullshit. And they would blame the children for the reason why they couldn't afford food because the children would steal food. They had their fridge like full of frozen food that only they were allowed to eat. And Jennifer prepared them their frozen food every night and then fed her and the rest of the kids peanut butter and bread. Jeez. And the blinds were to stay closed all the time. The children were on like an opposite sleep schedule where they were awake through the night and slept during the day. Um, They weren't allowed to look outside. They weren't even allowed to stand up unless they were given permission. Jordan, the younger of the two sisters that I mentioned, um, because I think four of them, I think, are still underage. And so their information isn't out there. And then a lot of them have chosen to stay. You know, I haven't gone and like tried to search them out. So... It's Jennifer's the oldest girl, and then Jordan is the other girl who's come forward. And then there's another, the oldest boy. Has Josh. It, yeah, I think so. I, I think it is Josh. As su- When you got to a certain point, I was like, oh, I know. I have seen a little about this. So, uh-huh. yeah, Josh, I think, was the oldest brother that yeah, came out. But he hasn't, like, come out on video, but he did give a statement in the documentary that I watched. But so those are the three of whose names I know. But Jordan had, like, a little Barbie doll that had, like, a little recording camera inside, and she would use it to kind of document the state of the house, how filthy everything was, videos that showed the unopened toys and games and clothes, videos that showed the full fridge. Because the children were not enrolled in any sort of school program, there wasn't any way for anybody to kind of monitor any sort of, like, symptoms of abuse or anything like that. And David had filed... For the Sandcastle Day School, which was the fake homeschool that he had filed, uh, where he was listed as principal and Luis was listed as the teacher. Their, the legitimacy of their homeschooling was never looked into. They never taught their kids anything to the point where their kids were so starved to learn something that they were teaching each other what they knew. And a few of the kids were able to have smartphones, like the older trusted siblings were able to have smartphones so that the parents, while they were away, could essentially make sure that they were following all the rules. But they would use that while their parents were gone to like look at videos and like watch stuff on YouTube or TV that they weren't allowed to watch. And they would try to teach themselves from the Internet and just learn anything that they could because they weren't doing anything. Yeah. And when the children didn't behave, if they weren't like locking them in cages or beating them, they were threatening them with CPS. Jordan had said, and in the interview that I watched, that she was convinced that if CPS came, they would be sent to different countries and would never see each other again, and that they would be locked in cages and essentially thrown out to die when they're 18. 
And so they were terrified. They were terrified of saying anything to anybody. They were terrified of being beaten to death. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was just not. Well, and the fact that they were so isolated, they didn't have any comparison. So it's really easy for them to believe these things that they're telling When I get into part two, it'll kind of show a little bit more light onto how isolated they truly were and like how it just like really impacted them. Like there are some things that happened. I don't know. I'll get into it. Well, I'm just like doing the math and thinking, okay, at this point, how Jennifer's an adult. She has to be. And, uh but they beat her down so much and brainwashed her so much. She's still there as an adult Mm -hmm. and still following all of their orders and And rules. And it's hard. That's crazy that they could beat someone down so much. But from the day she was born. Yeah. I don't know when it happened in the timeline, but Jennifer did try to escape once. And ended up coming back. And I don't know why. I didn't see any detail about it. But I just also can't imagine, like, you're the oldest oldest sibling. And I, you know, and the oldest. I have such, like, mama bird feelings about all of my siblings that, like, if I were to escape, I personally would feel guilty and I would go back. Just because, like, knowing that I had left them in that sort of a situation, you know, and, like, knowing that, like, you are really the only person that is able to care for these kids because nobody else is fucking going to. Like, I don't blame her for going back. I don't know why she did, but that was my immediate thought as to why. But I wonder, too, if they haven't been outside or anything like that. Like, how overwhelming and terrifying it must have been. Because how would she know where to go? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I could see either one or not wanting to leave her siblings behind. Maybe she did it at first got and then just couldn't to go get help and mm-hmm. so she was okay leaving her siblings but then she couldn't figure couldn't out where to figure go out how to get help yeah and it kind of some of the stuff i'll talk about in yeah. the next part will kind of shed light onto yeah like i said just how isolated they were and how little about the world they knew you know well, yeah. yeah it sounds like if they don't have any tv mm-hmm. Probably yeah. don't have any newspapers, no. books, you Nothing. know. Yeah. So, for all they know, every family lives exactly like they're living. Mm-hmm. That's gross. Yeah. How sad. Well, that's why we'll take our break. All right. That's what happens when you're fucking gross and fucking gross. Mary, it's fucking a sixteen. Well, there's a lot of other shit, but you know. <laughs> Crazy. Hey, little shemmies. Thanks for tuning in. While we were on our break, I just wanted to let you guys know how you can get a hold of us if you wanted to send us an email with your spooky stories. I'm still waiting for you to tell me those so I could tell them to you. Our email is ffsthepodcast at gmail.com. We'd also love to hear from you on the various social media sites. We're ffsthepodcast on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook. You can find us at E-F-F-E-D up storytime. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in. We love you, Shemmies. And uh, back to the show. Whatever. All right. Whatever, man. Whatever. John Silver, whatever. John John Silver, Silver, whatever. whatever. Man. (laughs) Okay. Shut up. I don't think anybody wants to get back into this sad bullshit. No, because you said it's going to get worse. And so far, I've just been sad. It. It gets better, and then it doesn't get better, and it's it's all just kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like I had said before the break, the a few of the older siblings 
trusted siblings were able to get smartphones so that they could keep in constant contact with Louise and David. Jordan, the younger of the two sisters that I mentioned, stole one of this uh, one of her siblings' phones, and um, she started watching videos and you know like watching like Disney Channel on TV and stuff. And she very quickly became obsessed with Justin Bieber, um, <laughs> which I do believe is further proof that there is nothing that can stop an obsessed teen. (laughs) Accurate. (laughs) Or early 20s, like my nieces. (laughs) Shout out. I mean, not now, because they're not early 20s anymore, but they're getting up there. I still cry about One Direction sometimes. Oh, God. (laughs) Stole Your Heart came on my playlist in the car, and I'm like, All right. So watching these videos, like Jordan credits Justin Bieber as being like one of the inspiring things that kind of like got her to want to explore the world. Like watching his videos, she would watch his interviews, she would watch his vlogs that he would put, like she would see him in these like beautiful houses with friends and like going out and doing stuff. And she was like, this is what the world is like. Well, and she's, yeah, started to realize, sorry, Jess. No, that's okay. I was just gonna say, and didn't he like talk about his faith and his beliefs, which were so like radical but it was still like oh you can think about god this way Mm -hmm. wasn't that one of the things i yeah i just read a little article so i don't know a ton oh yeah no and that was something that they did mention that i didn't write down because i'm not a faith-based person and i don't think that it's important and so i forget that it's important to other people (laughs) and for me it's just making the connection right she's seeing this person who is out having fun performing talking to people on tv has friends his family loves him mm-hmm. and treats him well and he's a person of faith still yeah you know yeah like for someone in her situation she's ruled by the bible mm-hmm. basically because of how her parents raised her right yeah so. i do think that's interesting both of the sisters in the interviews that i the one interview that i watched are still very like strong in their faith like Jennifer, the oldest, like wants to be a Christian musician and is like trying Aww. to work towards that. And I didn't really make that connection until now, just that like it's interesting to me. So many people I think that are in a situation like that would like turn away from God, having it been used against them for yeah. decades. Yeah. You know, but both of them are so strong in their faith and, and use that as like such hope. I don't know. It's just interesting, especially well, somebody who doesn't have that kind of connection, I guess, as somebody who's not religious. And, you know, it's, I don't know. It's also a situation where, like, you have, for survival, they have to find something to believe in. And maybe in the beginning it was, well, if this is God's will, whatever they're saying, I have to deal with it because it's God's will. But you can then learn that your interpretation was not quite accurate Mm -hmm. and still have faith, you know. Yeah. One thing that I thought was interesting was that Jordan would watch the these Justin Bieber videos and try to use it to improve her vocabulary because they had no education except for what Jennifer, the only kid that was in school, was able to teach to her younger siblings. Yeah. You know? Could they even read the Bible? Probably not, huh? So I don't know. Um, Jennifer, or Jordan did say that she knew the alphabet, and I think that they practiced reading. She said that Jennifer taught her her vowels. Well, I feel like they had to have been able to read a little bit because guess, um, yeah. Jordan was using the secret phone that she had, and she, you know, was 
recording videos of herself singing and posting them to like YouTube uh-huh. and social media, trying to just like communicate with anybody. And she started talking to a few people and began uploading more videos in secret. And one person commented asking why, why is this kid always inside and up at night? And Jordan like commented back and kind of briefly explained the situation that she was in. And the commenter told her that it wasn't right and that she should look into trying to get somebody to help her. And that was one of the first times that she was ever validated in her thinking, like, this isn't right. Like, what normal. we're doing here isn't normal. Yeah. yeah. And it it was, you know, that was the first time that anybody has ever been like, hey, like, what you're going through is kind of fucked up. Like, And at this point, the parents weren't living with them, right? They were living somewhere else? I think else. they were. I think that they would just, like, leave a bunch because I, I think they still partied and they still went out and did stuff. And I think the kids so were home alone. Gone. Yeah. Well, because this is after the trailer when they moved they're, to Paris. They're in California. So they're in a house now yeah. that you were saying, like, in that subdivision. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, I... When you said that when they were in the trailer, the parents just took they were off. Gone. They would drop off groceries just, weekly, and they would just, just thinking be gone. about that. They're like they had to sleep all day and be up all night, but the parents were never there. So the parents were out all night, and that that's all. That's just what I was trying to. I think at this point around, in time that she was alone enough that she could do the videos and stuff like that. Well. Didn't she lock herself in the bathroom? Yeah, she would like so, lock herself in the bathroom. Oh, okay. And, so, so she, she just was hid hiding away. so yeah. that people. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm sure they weren't there all the time, but I think they were there more at this point. Yeah, weren't they? I mean, because uh, David had his like his job, his like fancy oh, yeah, building he, weapons. So he had to sleep at night, I would imagine, because I, you don't work at night when you have that kind of a job. I don't know. Anyway, that's fine. I'm not trying to put you no, under any pressure. And the, whether they were up or not, it could have been the oldest's job to keep the kids the quiet. The kids had to be yeah. up. Yeah. But they didn't want people to know the kids were there. They were clearly why, hiding yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. So, And totally. they couldn't even stand up. So how loud well, are they going to be to bother the true. parents? And that's true. Jordan had mentioned, because I think I skipped over this part in the last section, but... uh. Because, like, what, when the parents would leave, they would, like, open windows and they would, you know, kind of be rebellious. And <laughs> Jordan is convinced that the neighbors had to have known that something was going on. And You would think so. You know, I kind of almost holds a little bit of resentment for nobody even attempting to yeah. check in, you know. It's just that hard line of when are you overstepping? I get yeah. it. Like, you know what I mean? Because you hear both sides. How many times have people overreacted and caused parents to go through a crazy battle with social services only to discover that the neighbor was mistaken or Mm -hmm. whatever you know and then you have the other side where nobody does anything and a kid dies well and if you never actually see a child then you're just like whatever weird shit's going on over there you know what i mean like you're not gonna necessarily think that anybody's in danger so you're not really having a reason to call in 2015 jordan gets caught watching a justin bieber video and um louise chokes her and jordan said i wrote this down a quote um i thought that i was going to die that day she kept having nightmares that she was killing me um and after that jordan decides that she's gonna leave um she starts making plans several of her siblings at this point are regularly chained one of her brothers was first tied with rope, but he managed to escape with his teeth. And so he was then tied up with like thick chains. And 
Another one of her brothers was chained so tightly that he couldn't roll over. And um, one of her siblings had been chained for months and was only free long enough to eat. She secretly asked Jennifer to help. And like I mentioned before, Jennifer had escaped one time and was able to draw like a crude map from memory of what the neighborhood looked like from the one time that she left the house. Mm. So on January 14th, Jordan decides that she's going to escape. I think this was 2018. So January 14th, 2018, Jordan decides that she's going to escape. The very next day, the Turpins were supposed to move to Oklahoma. They were going to live in Oklahoma City. And that's another way to avoid detection. You yeah, you just move around. Yeah. Jordan had said in the interview that if she died trying to escape, at least she died trying. And how old is she at this point? When this happens in 2018, she's 17. 17 year old kid who has no exposure to the outside world, like saying, well, at least if I die, I died trying. That's just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. But you also have to think about the quality of life she's had her entire life. There's not a whole lot that she's feeling like she's going to miss. But that's what makes it heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. I agree. (laughs) She goes on to say. Yeah. I agree. That's like, you don't, she doesn't know any better. So death is better, right? Like, uh, yeah. Well, and she goes on to say that if they would have moved, uh, what I wrote down the quote, if we would have went to Oklahoma, there's a big chance some of us would have died. Wouldn't have made it maybe. Yeah. And <sighs> they talked to, um, cause I watched the, what was it? The, the Diane Sawyer special event. Ooh, Diane 2020. Sawyer. Nice. <laughs> it's the documentary that I watched that got all of these it's interviews. Almost as good as Barbara Walters. I know. Um, <laughs> and they talked to a bunch of experts also. And one of the, I can't remember who he was. He was some official policeman investigator. Some official guy in he a was, suit. He was the law. No, a guy in a suit. <laughs> but he was saying that Based on the way that these kids were so malnourished and emaciated, he also agrees that more than one of them would have died just in the transport because they were so weak Mm -hmm. that not all of them would have made it. Like, why do you even think that God wants you to have all these kids if they can't go out, which means they can't get married and make more children of God? Well, and... They don't take care of them, and it's not like they have them do anything for them. Their house is a total hoarder disaster. Like, why do you feel like you have to have these kids? Control or something. Well, and they were hiding them. They pulled Jennifer out of school in grade three, Mm -hmm. and they only had two kids then, I think you said, maybe three. But at that point in time, still, even if they had three kids... They were treating their children like this at that point. Why did they keep having children just to treat them like this? Right. Well, and they clearly knew what they were doing was wrong, the way they hid the kids away. Yeah. yeah. Or at in, least, may, in their eyes, maybe not wrong, but frowned on by society. Uh, yeah. In 2018, in 2018, when Jordan made her escape, she was 17. The youngest child was two, and Jennifer, the oldest, was 29. She was almost 30. She was your age. She was my age. age. Yeah. But she'd but been she's, beaten down. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also see where Belle's coming from that, like, she probably yeah. felt like she had to stay to take care of the kids. Definitely. Because nobody else, because they would have died much sooner if she hadn't, or Jordan would have been made to do it, but mm-hmm. Jordan wouldn't have well, done it. Well, they would have made the boys do it. So Jordan was, Jordan was, uh, there were what, like, 
a couple kids in between Jordan oh, that's and true, Jennifer. Jordan. So yeah. they, the next oldest. The second anyway. oldest was Josh. I don't know any of the other kids because yeah. they've chosen to remain to remain anonymous. But so, but it would have passed on to the next oldest. One, the next one, yeah. yeah. And they were already required to help out because they were older anyway. So on January fourteenth, two thousand and eighteen, at five forty nine a.m. Security footage of one of the houses across the street shows Jordan climbing out of one of the windows and like running down the street. She had never talked to anybody on the phone before. She was walking in the road because she didn't know what a sidewalk was. Think about how just how crazy that would be to just step out and see the world. Never the, having experienced the, the only river of stone. Reason why Jordan even knew to call 911 was because of the 1989 reality TV show, Cops. Viewer discretion is advised. I just wanted to play the theme song. <laughs> but because they would answer, they would say, 911, what's your emergency? That's how she knew. To, she didn't even know how to call 911. There was no way for this girl. Her parents had completely isolated them from everything. Mm-hmm. To the point where she didn't even know how to call 911. So far, we've got Justin Bieber, <laughs> one. Reality TV, one. <laughs> Random YouTube man, one. Anybody whose job it is to make sure that these children are safe, zero. 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 All right. <laughs> how ridiculous. So, I mean, to be fair, though... It's hard if the kids aren't in school. It's not like people are scouring birthdays. I know, but that number, uh, spoiler alert, it does not increase. Let me see. Okay, so Jordan calls 911. She claims that she was shaking too hard to even push the buttons, that she was shaking so hard that she could barely walk. She was terrified. She couldn't give an address. She didn't know that she needed a street sign. The dispatch that she was talking to was like, you know, trying to walk her through how to find her, you know, address, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, the dispatch asks her if she's on medication, and she asks, what's medication? She's like, like, medicine? Legit, like- Are you taking any, you know, any medicine? And she's like, sometimes we take, like, Robitussin if we have a cough, you know, but, like, she was just, like... No clue. Yeah, and she her limited vocabulary that she had made it hard for her to be understood and almost did make it sound like she was, like, drugged. But she was just so frantic and yeah. just didn't know how to explain what was happening to her. So a deputy takes a call because he figured it would just be another runaway call. He would take her back, reconcile with her parents, and it was, like, his last call of the night. He could just go home. Um, How wrong he was. Oh, yeah. So he meets with Jordan, and Jordan explains what's happening. She, like, tells him that she has multiple sisters and a brother that are chained to the bed. And he asks her, do you have pictures of that? And Jennifer had suggested that Jordan get pictures of everything before she leaves so that she has proof if they ask. Smart lady. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so Jordan asked her sisters if she could take a picture of them, and they consented, and she took the photo. The fact that she asked. That, yes, I was going to say, yeah. that's crazy. Like, I would just wow. be snapping pictures of shit. <laughs> yeah. I know. I wouldn't ask you guys if you cared if I took your picture. I'd be like, I'm taking nah. your picture to show the Evie cops. Evie just takes a picture of me and will send it to me anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. I won't even know she took it to like, get a message. <laughs> she's the worst. So 
she talks to the deputy. The deputy's name is Anthony Kalachi. And Jordan shows him the photos. And so he calls for backup. He puts her in the back of his car. He's trying, you know, being really friendly. He mentioned in when he was interviewed for the 2020 that I watched, he was saying that he really wanted to try to show her that, like, the world isn't a bad place, you know. Um, And so he was trying really hard to, like, calm her down. And he asked her if she wanted to go up to the house when they, you know, knocked on the door or whatever. And she was terrified. Like, she stayed in the car. Yeah, no, I fucking wouldn't either. Lock me in this car, bitch. Lock the doors. Like, (laughs) so at, oh, at one point he asks, what's the worst thing they've done to you? And um, Jordan says, choked me on the bed. And Kalachi asks if she called the police. And she said, this is the first chance I've ever had to get a phone. And then she casually remembers that one of her brothers is tied up. Like, she's so desensitized to it. It's just like, oh, by the way. Because it's like an everyday occurrence. It's got to be hard to keep track of who's changed right now and who's not. Well, um, I did see this. I don't know how well they could read. I mean, she was communicating with somebody on the internet. But when... Kalachi asked Jordan to spell her middle name, which was Elizabeth. She couldn't spell it. One thing that is really sad about this, that I mean, there's a lot of things that are really sad, but um, kind of going back to Jordan's like limited vocabulary, she didn't know what bruises were. And she was pointing out the bruises on the photo. And what did she say? It's like, that's where it got in on them. That's where it gets in on them. Oh, those are the places that make in on them, is how she described it. Those are the places like, that make in on them. Like, like pressed like, in yeah, on them? Yeah, like where the bruises Because were. of like the chains she didn't and know. stuff. Yeah. yeah. At 7.23, um, Kalachi had the backup that he needed, and they pulled up on the house about an hour and a half after Jordan escaped. The deputies did not need a warrant because they had reason to believe a child was in danger. Because they had pictures, right? Yeah. They knocked on the door for two minutes and 10 seconds before somebody opened. And it was, you know, very significant reason to believe that they were using this time to unchain the kids Mm -hmm. because the girls in the pictures when the deputies went in were no longer chained. But they were chained in the picture? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So after two minutes, Louise and David finally open up and the police reveal that they're doing like a welfare check they say that somebody in the neighborhood, they weren't being specific, you know, they were like, somebody in the neighborhood made a call about a teen girl that's been running around. He was like, we don't know if it was the girl that made the call or somebody in the neighborhood. And Louise was like, did she say her name? Did she say her name? So three officers go into the house. David at one point is like, do you have a warrant? He was like, we don't need one. And he just like pushes right past him. Nice. You know? and Because uh, you don't for a welfare, for a child yeah. endangerment welfare check kind uh-huh. of thing. You don't have to have a warrant. So Louise tries to follow the cops in and they are, you know, like, ma'am, can you please go back to the front door? Like she's like trailing behind them. She tries to make the excuse before they come in that the house is a mess. They're getting ready to move and. It's like, it's filthy. Like the body cam footage, like the house is just disgusting. I don't know how they were going to move that day because. (laughs) Just leave it all there. Yeah, probably just leave everything. So they go through, they go into the bedroom. They find that the girls that were chained up in the photo are unchained. One of the officers is in the room with the girls and then the other officers are kind of, you know, like walking around. One of them has the David and Louise at the front door. 
one of the officers notices like kind of by where David has been standing the whole time. And then there's also a bunch of boxes like pushed over. They were like hiding a bedroom. And there were three boys in the bedroom. One was chained up at his ankle and his wrist. And they were arrested on site. The cop that went into the bedroom with the girls, he was able to convince them to show him where they had like put the chains, like where the chains were. And they directed him into the closet. They were right there on the floor. And so he found those chains. As the cops are walking David and Louise to their car, to the cop car, uh, the deputy asks, like, are there keys for the chains? Because the two little boys are chained up still and they can't find the keys. And um, this is so ridiculous. Louise goes, uh, yeah, the older kids can get them. And then she goes, is that what this is all about? Like, she has no fucking clue. Yeah. Oh, my God. All 13 children are taken to the hospital. Wow. Good. That's mental um, illness there in its finest. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I didn't look all into it that much, but there is some history of abuse from Louise. She was trying to get her charges dismissed for histrionic personality disorder. Um, her sisters and her mother all suffered ongoing sexual abuse during her childhood from someone that they trusted. I didn't get any information. And I also... I mean, like, it really sucks that she had to go through that, but it's absolutely unforgivable what she did. And I'm not going to go delving into her history to try to make excuses for the unforgivable shit that she committed. You know what I mean? Like, I understand that hurt people hurt people, but, like, this is atrocious. Yeah, this isn't just abusing your child, like, the cycle of abuse. This is taking it to a new level. It's treating them like animals and poorly at the same time, mm-hmm. like poor treatment for animals, even you know, you would get I mean? arrested for animal abuse for right. doing this shit to your I animals. Mean, yes, like, you can kennel your dog for a while, but like, <laughs> but like treating them worse than you treat an animal. Yeah, I mean, even just like starving your animal like that oh. is like you know, like I didn't write this down, but in the like the hospital records, they said one of the twelve-year-old girl's arm was so emaciated it resembled closer to a four month old like it didn't develop right yeah. wasn't it like something like because wow. of because of, of how malnourished she was and how i saw well i saw a picture <laughs> of some of them and like they were so so malnourished and thin that they were knobbly like you mm-hmm. know when you say someone has knobbly knees like this was every joint of, on their body that i saw in those pictures mm-hmm. boys and girls yeah like It's so it was so, so sad. Um, The judge rejected the proposal, saying that Louise was too dangerous to be out in society and tried her regularly. Both David and Louise pled guilty with no trial. I did see some video footage from their trial. A few of their younger kids wrote letters saying that they forgave them and they read them and they cried. Two of their oldest children faced them in court. So Joshua and Jennifer both gave kind of their testimony in court. I did write down one thing that Louise said because I just, like, this woman, I just don't, I don't know. She said, I don't want any of my children to be hurt or sad by this, and I want them to know mom and dad will be okay. I don't think they care. No, and that's, like, she said that. I was taking a bath to my research. She said that. <laughs> Kyle's asleep. I was like, oh, my fucking God. And I paused it, and I, like, furiously scribbled down. I was like, this 
bitch. Yeah. I'm sure a couple of them would like to know that you're not fucking okay. I don't know. Maybe not because they're all very faith based and forgiveness and everything. But I don't think that was their primary concern. That was was what she was concerned about. She's like, I don't want any of the kids to be hurt or sad by this experience, not by what I did to them, but 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 by me getting thrown in jail. Gaslighting at its finest. Didn't she say something like, and I know they'll come back to me eventually or something weird yeah, like that? Like, like something she had said something in some statement that she wrote or something about how when the kids come back to her, she promises that there won't be any chains this time or something, something like that. Yeah, like Jesus. just the belt and no food and Yeah. Um when they apologized, uh Jennifer said that she couldn't believe their sincerity whether they were sincere or not like they had proven enough times to be untrustworthy that she just couldn't yeah. couldn't trust them anymore they were sentenced to life good good and here's where it gets fucking sad again because there were a number of agencies in california that completely dropped the ball the children that were legal adults were not able to access the resources. Like they had raised like $600,000 from the community for their fund or whatever. And it was thrown in some bank, run some fucking trust by some fucking government agency. They were still struggling to eat. They were placed in areas of the city that were like really, you know, poor and not safe places to be. And a number of them had gotten assaulted just in the areas that they live. Joshua who was 29 in 2021, because that's when this um, interview took place, he said that the public guardian that they were appointed routinely denied their requests. Um, One of his requests was just for a bike so that he could try to get to work. All of them were denied. They wouldn't even help him with his most basic needs. When he asked for help to figure out his insurance, he was told to just Google it. Um, and this is a kid that has no formal education. Right. He may be, he may well, be at the time, 26 or whatever. Yeah, but, but he doesn't know. He might as well be five mm-hmm. when it comes to the world. Oh, Google it. Yeah. Does he know what Google is? This person has since been fired. She was obviously not super involved in her job. I don't want to name her, throw her under the bus necessarily, but... She was also simultaneously trying to get her real estate career off the ground. And that was very clearly where her priorities Ugh. were. After ABC, right? That's the network that is 2020. After they like raised yeah, a bunch yeah, of hell yeah. and did all of these like, you know, interrogations or whatever, she was fired. Well, uh, departed. I don't know. But <laughs> like, they uh, departed ways. Yeah. Um, Several of the younger no, children. I was still wrong. They parted ways. Part, departed ways. <laughs> Sorry. I wasn't going to say it. I didn't even notice. Several of the younger children have been failed by the foster system. Um, there are actually six children filed lawsuit against Riverside County and ChildNet, which is the organization that placed them into foster care, claiming that the house that they were in abused them sexually, physically. Um, made a bunch of threats, like, we're just going to send you back to your parents, um, would force them to eat vomit and a bunch of other stuff. So they basically put them in as bad or worse of a situation than they supposedly Mm -hmm. rescued them from. Yeah. Um, Those foster parents were arrested in March of 2021, and I think that case is still going. Uh, But don't quote me on that. I tried to look up some information, and I couldn't find a whole lot of information, which Mm -hmm. makes me think that the case is still going. Right. The four youngest children are still minors and are living in a foster home where 
their older siblings report that they are happy and being well taken care of. The nine other children are out here trying their best. Like I said, Jennifer hopes to be a Christian musician. Uh, at the time of the interview, she was working to be a manager at the restaurant that she worked at and was working towards that promotion. Jordan, at the time of the interview, was going to college and, you know, had, I think, gotten her GED in like a year and um, is now doing that. Yeah. So that's kind of where they're at now. And it's still kind of really sad. I do want to leave off, though, with this quote that Jennifer had said. She said, I'm fucking crying. She said, I want the last name Turpin to be remembered as the name of strength. And she went on to say, like, I don't want anybody to be like, oh, poor Jennifer Turpin, you know, like 29 years of her life, like washed away. But instead to think like how strong these girls are and how strong this family is to keep going. And I just thought that that was really powerful. Well, and I'm so glad that the older siblings get to see the minor siblings. Still, oh, yeah. They all meet and constantly and they're all able to still communicate and they hang out and they all get together. Didn't and a stuff. couple of them end up homeless for a while, yeah. too? Because, because, and, uh, because the system failed them and didn't mm-hmm. give them the resources they needed to come out into and society. I tried to look up information about that because this interview did happen a couple of years ago and I couldn't find any updates so I don't know well I mean the siblings want to be anonymous yeah oh yeah I just I hope that they are getting the resources that they need and I hope that 2020 did their investigation and actually got the them to depart ways (laughs) with with that uh, guardian guardian. that maybe they're to save face maybe they're going to finally like actually start helping them with the money that was raised for them and then with this other lawsuit too with the foster family well and that's really weird too because there's a number of other children that were abused by this family and they had a history of abuse and were still allowed to yeah and that's a failure of the system because they weren't doing their due diligence or they were allowing the parents to fool them like i hate it when i hear about social workers who are investigating a claim and only talk to the parent. And the parent's like, oh, no, everything's fine. But they don't actually ask the kid. Yeah. You know? like, And I know that there's like an age limit where they feel like a child isn't old enough to be able to fucking make no. a decision. But they should at least be able to speak. Part of social services when they're doing a home visit is supposed to be that they talk to the child or children alone. Like, they are allowed to talk to them alone without the parent yeah. around. And they're supposed to. And so it's like... Gives the kid a chance well, to that's tell what what's I mean. going yeah, on. Yeah, they should be able to talk. They can't make a decision necessarily, right, right, but right. they should be able to talk. To say, oh, this happened. Yeah. Yeah. But also their caseload. Like a supervisor yeah. in a social services department is probably overseeing almost 200 cases at a time that they're having to make sure their individual social workers, who are probably each handling 30 to 40 of them, mm-hmm are doing everything right. It's a failure of the system. Well, it's it like any system. I mean, I don't remember what documentary I was watching, but they were interviewing a public defender or something, and he was talking about how at one time he will have 50 to 70 cases that he's working on. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. How That's can you impossible. accurately make those kinds of Right. I mean, you're drained, you're tired, you're going on how many home visits every single day, plus having to get your paperwork in, like, Uh you're going to miss things. It's the same idea with cops, or, like, specifically detectives, like, 
nobody is ever just working one homicide if they're a homicide detective. Like they could have ten. How are you? How are you supposed to solve and keep all these different yeah. lines of clues and investigation straight when you have that many? You have to prioritize, and people fall through the cracks, and, and it's just sad. Yeah. Well, was that all of your story, Belly? Yeah. Well, that was an effed up story. It now was. it's time for something not effed up. One thing doesn't suck. One thing doesn't suck. I'm just going to yeah. try to make that the worst uh, ever every time. Uh, suck. Here's the thing. Well, that sucked. <laughs> it did. Okay. This rooster has fallen madly in love with a disabled hen named Basil. This is Shrimp, the rooster, and he's fallen madly in love with this disabled hen, Basil. Shrimp and one-legged chicken, Basil, live together in their own enclosure made of mats and baby gates at the Here With Us Animal Sanctuary in Shermansdale, Pennsylvania. Basil was taken in as part of a large-scale chicken rescue, and Shrimp was saved just one day before his euthanasia date. The two have been living in the same sanctuary for 18 months, but it wasn't until October last year that they met and clicked. In October 2022, Basil had to have one leg amputated due to an infection and had to be brought inside for her safety around the same time shrimp was brought inside because he was being bullied by the other chickens in the coop this is when romance blossomed and although basil took a little longer to warm up to shrimp the pair are now a solid couple now they give each other treats dance for each other and even refuse to go to the vet separately (laughs) he was so interested in her through the baby gate and did a little dance as soon as he saw her amanda clark founder of here with us It's hard to believe their love is real unless you see it. Shrimp is very affectionate towards Basil and gets very excited to see her whenever they are separated. Adorable. I love happy pet, happy animal. I know. It's so cute. Do you think she prefers Basil or Basil? Hmm. I always go with Basil. Is that wrong? I tend to go with Basil, but that's only because you watch too much Sherlock Holmes. Well, my formative years were built on the Great Mouse Detective, and he was Basil of Baker Street. Basil of Baker Street. It wasn't Sherlock Holmes. It was the Great Mouse Detective. But it was he. (laughs) But he lives at the mouse hole version of two twenty one B, and Sherlock Holmes lives upstairs. That's right. (laughs) I remember. I watched that movie so much that I still have like a lot of it memorized. I'm I'm (laughs) seeing visions of it right now. I've watched it so much with you. I know. I was good memories. No, you weren't. It was fun. Has Hannah had said, (laughs) told that story about bananagrams on the pod, right? About that time that we went on that fucking road trip and we were just like not having a good time and we would like keep fighting, but then I get pestering Hannah to like play bananagrams with me and like Hannah was so furious. I feel like they've told that story on the podcast. I don't remember it. Kyle came home from Amazon yesterday with a free bag of bananagrams. (laughs) (laughs) And I immediately texted Hannah. It's like, Hannah, will you play bananagrams with me? Did she yell at you? Didn't even fucking respond. (laughs) You got your answer. It's a fat no. My friend Steph had bananagrams for some reason, but promptly dumped the tiles out and used it as her pencil case from then on out. So she just had like the bananagrams (laughs) banana and it was her pencil case. That's clever. All right. Well, I think that that's it then. It's time to go. Time to say goodbye. Goodbye, Shemmy. Unless you guys don't feel like we've been here long enough. No, I think we've been here long enough. <laughs> I 
I don't know if I can get up. I think I've fused with the chair. We love you. It's been a long day, but we, we love, love you. And I have to go to the bathroom. Yes, oh, yes, we, we do. do. Goodbye. We love you, Shemmies. Oh, shit, I haven't been recording this whole